Up World. Fast first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today is a very special episode. We are joined by writer for Dime and Uproxx.com, the host of Dishes and Dimes, and the podcast of basketball and the creator of the most beautiful newsletter on the web, Basketball Feelings, none other than Katie Heindel. Katie, how you doing? I'm doing really well. That that was a very nice intro, I have to say, especially about basketball feelings. Well, basketball feelings really is fantastic. I was going to save this for the uh, second segment intro, but I'll just I'll spoil it here. It is the only basketball newsletter that has made my wife cry because it had an, a beautiful essay about Kyle Lowry. Uh, oh, there is, man. there is. I am confident there is no other publication available online that has made my dear partner tear up when reading a passage about Kyle Lowry. And if there was, I would aggressively try and one up that. Again, and then I, I but then would. I feel like a monster because I'm just like, how much can I make your wife cry? <laughs> and who can do it better? It was, it was a ha- it was a happy cry. This was, was true. It was moved moved by the 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 beauty of of your writing and Kyle Lowry's will. So, um, but I know I know you would if someone else was sort of uh, cornering <laughs> the market on basketball feelings, you would hunt them down and out emote them. <laughs> I'd have to. That's what we respect most about you here. Um, Katie, some news dropped today in the NBA, perhaps the stupidest and most boring news imaginable. The NBA is making teams play the national anthem. I don't want to talk about this really because I find it um, incredibly stupid. Uh, the, the sort of the gist of this, if, if listeners don't know, is that the Dallas Mavericks stopped playing the national anthem for their first 13 games. Nobody noticed. Someone at the Athletic wrote about it. It became a, a news story, and Adam Silver at the NBA office said, no, 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 we do patriotism here. Um, we don't need to do it. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> but my question to you, Katie, is what is the song that you would propose played instead of the national anthem prior to uh, NBA basketball games? I think this is just going to depend on my mood. Um, I Like I tweeted something a little while ago because I, I just had it. I always have love and like we found love in a hopeless place by rihanna and calvin <laughs> Harris stuck in my head also it's yeah. like a stadium banger like they do play that song at games but i want to totally kind of like um tweak that answer and say and i hope this is what happens but i hope uh, like arena djs everywhere take the power that they have in their own hands and just start playing like in-game songs at the anthem time like i don't know if they do this at blazers game but a big raptors uh like standby is the intro to crazy train. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With so the like, whistle and everything. Yeah. I I like like that one. And I feel like that just play that when it should be the anthem. That would be I love that. Wonderful. Yeah. A somber moment with, you know, whatever, 25 guys from each team lined up on the their respective foul lines, eyes closed, getting getting into it. And then just I, I, I oh, I mean that's <laughs> that's beautiful. And you go into the past the intro. It's a great, you know, it's a good I'd say solid. Uh, I mean, it's a solid song, but you could definitely get a solid one minute of Ozzy Osbourne just ripping it up. So, that, yeah, that and it's nice. and it's already cleared in most stadiums, so we're not. No one's fighting sort of to get the rights to it. Yeah, you arena, know they got the track. Totally. So that's on the Serato. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> My other solution here is to play sort of like um, locally important pop hits. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that would be like Drake or Celine Dion in, in Toronto. Where <laughs> Just you're probably at. Drake. 
I think Celine, bless her. She's more of like a of a country. Like she's like a national treasure. She doesn't claim. She doesn't get to claim the city. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, But I think in Portland it would be like "Feel It Still" by Portugal the Man, which is kind of a a. It's arena rocky. It has arena Mm -hmm. rock vibes to it. Um, It's definitely like a huge pop hit. Um, But Portugal the Man like identifies very heavily as as um, as Blazer fans of local rock band that has since moved to los angeles like all of our great exports Mm. um i I guess the other thing that i'm wondering here is do you think america in the way that it does with canadian sports that we sort of um envelop into our sports leagues has kind of imprinted on canadians like do you think they would play oh canada before sporting events if it wasn't for us down here that's a good question actually i've not thought about that um because they made a big Maybe show not. of it in the playoffs. Like like Jesse Reyes climbed the CN Tower and sang <laughs> yeah. Oh Canada during I mean, when the games yeah. were in Orlando. Like it's very performative in a way that is very American and natural to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that exists in other Canadian sports or other I mean, sort of like Yeah. Most people were really proud of that, I remember. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, she did they also that's something called it's called the edge walk. You can do that. Uh, well, in normal times, really? you could do that on the CN Tower. Yeah, they just kind of strap you into a bungee cord and you could walk around it. So I was like, oh, she did the edge walk. Okay. Um, anyway, I don't know. They, I know they played at like hockey games and like that's a different kind of crowd. But that's a sure. really good point. Like, would they play? I mean, people kind of like singing it. It's also a different demographic because I feel like at Raptors games, half the people are singing it. Half the people are just like on their phones and like standing there and you know like right, it's right, right. it's kind of a changing it is a changing demographic so i would i feel like in 10 years probably you could just stop playing it and no one would you, you could phase it play out ozzy osbourne yeah yeah just play ozzy osbourne and then get the t-shirt cannon going and there'd be much more excitement yeah no i mean the thing is like you could this being news it's just so stupid because you could have easily just the NBA walked into this the way the NFL did with their stupid national anthem policy. It's like, you could just let it go. You could just be like, mm, I don't care. And mm-hmm. like, m- most people wouldn't care. They'd be like, I came for the t-shirt cannon or I watch all the games on TV. I have never seen, I haven't seen the anthem in a year. Like, I have no idea. Unless you're like a big league pass head who gets to the games early and sees the like in arena stuff from the league pass feed, you're not, no one's going to know. This is mm-hmm. an easy thing to ignore. And we wouldn't have to be here on the opening five minutes of this podcast proposing <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne and Portugal the man tracks. I mean, I think our like our suggestions are better solutions than what's currently happening. Quite frankly, I'm, I wish like DJs had revolted prior to this. Mm, but yeah, it's like it's an extremely dumb thing. I don't know even at games who's not. In, I mean, as like a writer or media covering the game, you're just sometimes it's a bit of an oh shit moment because you're like, oh, I should be in my seat. Or also sometimes you're like, oh, this is helpful because I know now how long I have to like book it somewhere, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's the to only get thing. to my spot, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like a good marker of time. But like if that's all it is, I can just keep better track of myself. Yeah, when I used to have a sort of different role um, at a newspaper, I would have to file sometimes a, a like a pregame thing, and so the anthem would be like, "Oh, oh, I got it. I better, I better <laughs> write because I got about seven minutes before this bad boy needs to go live." Um, and so the anthem, I might be like standing up, but also hunched over my computer typing in the last three sentences of my little pregame note story. So I, I, for me, yeah, it was mostly like a marker. And then I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be seen as the one dude on press row hunched over his computer. So I'm kind of faking it. 
Um, so it's like I a could, panic thing for you. Exactly. Was, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do not feel a rush of patriotism. It's mostly a rush of like, oh man, I should have transcribed all these interviews earlier. <laughs> Which is always what I'm feeling when I'm covering the NBA. It's like, man, I should have transcribed earlier. <laughs> more or less, more or less. But yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's always weird to me when Mark Cuban, like we can stop talking about it, but I, the last thing I'll say is it's weird to me when for a split second you're like, is Mark Cuban a force for good? And then he quickly recanted, I guess, when the yeah, NBA was yeah, like, yeah. you can. He's like, okay, we won't. After he was like, we never will play it. <laughs> like yeah, He was like, like, it's, it's worth sure. us and it'll never come back. And then yeah. they're like, you have to. And he's like, we will and we respect this wonderful song. Yeah, he's like, I love money. <laughs> he, he does. That's that's mm-hmm. who's, who he's most loyal to, most patriotic to, mm-hmm. to cash. Uh, let's, do you want to talk about basketball instead of um, yes, pregame yeah. music? Let's okay, do good. that. <laughs> that's what I want to do. But first, I want to tell my listeners that this episode is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about this in New York Times and Style Magazine or Forbes, and I'm excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. Look, we all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. So if you're ready to make a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right. So we're still chatting here with Katie Heindel, a writer for Dime and Uprocks.com, the host of Dishes and Dimes podcast and a basketball, and also the writer of my favorite newsletter, Basketball Feelings. Make sure you subscribe. Katie, I want to ask you about something near and dear to your heart, or at least something I believe is near and dear to your heart. Um, you have been a long, a long time believer in Anthony Simons mm-hmm. um, for... Maybe even his first summer league, you were writing about um, sort of the joy of Anthony Simons. Does his sort of move towards being a successful NBA player, does it bring you a great deal of joy? Like, where are you at on Ant's development? Yeah, I take like a, like, I I don't know. I take it very personally, like when I'm like, oh, and I I don't mean I'm like, oh, yeah, I have like a sixth sense about this because sometimes it is just guesswork. But watching him... It's like a very particular kind of player. One, because he's like so quiet. And like when I Mm -hmm. wrote a a feature like about him last year, he and I like talked to him. I got so nervous talking to him because he was so nervous and shy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then it was like, this is not going well. But like, you know, we we carried it and it, it, it went well in the end. But I was just like, man, like his demeanor off court versus like what he kind of switches into when he's playing. It's just like he just has a switch and he flips it and he is able to kind of harness something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I'm thrilled. Like, I was sort of like, how will he fit in the team? You know, like, how could he take sure. a bigger? How could and will he take a bigger role? Because it he kind of always seemed a little bit at the fringes. Like, he's super quick. Um, he he was a little bit of a mismatch like last season, I'd say. Like, they didn't it didn't seem like they knew essentially where to play and put him 
you know, to get to kind of get the right. most of his minutes. They um, had no idea. They just yeah. said, we're going to put you on the court a bunch and hopefully talent will win out. And he yeah, just, it wasn't he wasn't quite there yet. No. And I mean, I saw him warm up when they came to play the Raptors last winter. And like he at the very like he was just shooting, shooting, shooting. And then I'm glad I stuck around. Everyone had like walked off court. And then he just like ran from like so close up and did the most explosive dunk. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, shit. Like I was like caught my breath. <laughs> like it startled me. <laughs> I was like, this is what he obviously wants to be able to do on court. And I mean, I just like maybe he's not doing that now consistently. I'm just happy that he is consistently like show, getting to like show up and play and like bring that kind of energy to the game. Yeah, he's he's such he's such proof of like of how opportunity matters. Like maybe mm-hmm. he got too much opportunity and the expectations were too high last year. And then this year where he's kind of like, oh, I I figured out a little bit more. And then CJ McCollum goes down and it's like, cool, well you have to go every night. And he's mm-hmm. like capable. Mm-hmm. Um it's like timing is so important in these NBA careers. Like you just you the league will just chew you up and spit you out because there's whatever 50 new dudes each year that are coming in to take your job and ants obviously was going to have a longer leash to experience it but like um i i think last year he they gave him too much on his plate and this year he didn't have that opportunity like he just they he kind of been moved to the side and then unfortunate circumstances to players in front of him in the in the rotation and now it's like oh yeah he can play and now Mm -hmm. you kind of like you've you're seeing all the hopeful things that even you know um feature writers and dime saw whatever 18 months ago <laughs> i mean i hope i hope people are seeing it and it, but i mean you make a really good point like it is this kind of permanent state of readiness to pl- not just mm-hmm. to play but i also think something that we sort of take for granted is like keeping your kind of confidence up and steady so that the moment you are like you get more minutes or you're kind of tapped. You're like, okay, you got to play like meaningful time. Now you have to be ready, not just like physically ready to take that on, but you could never have wavered from thinking that you deserve that. And like, it's time for you to do it. You know what I mean? And like with him, he's just like, I I hate, and I also hate projecting. Like, I don't mean to be like, he seems shy, but like, you know, he, like I had read like up on his story, like when he, he like, he moved there with his parents <laughs> to Portland totally. and they just like, he, it was such like a family. They were just like so invested in him. And it's just yeah, like, parents come to every game. Like yeah. would, literally every game I would walk, Which they would beautiful. walk by us in the bag. Hello. Hello. And it's like, yeah. wow, mom and dad. Cool. Yeah. And I think like to a degree, you're like, okay, you kind of want him to be able to still like cut his own, cut his own like silhouette. Right. You want him to be able to stand, like, no, he has a support behind him, but when he has to take that step and step out and like, play and be himself he'll be able to do that and I just like I don't know that was I guess what was startling to me is just like oh yeah he can be kind of soft-spoken and quiet and like sort of like not reserved but just like it was clear he was kind of getting his footing but then when it's time to set foot on court he's just flat out ready mm-hmm. there was there was a story in the athletic last week two weeks ago written by Jason Quick friend of the podcast who uh, basically uh, he's ant. It's kind of, there's like a whole mindset thing. And I think you've, you've touched on it here is that he's kind of trying to play like a, as he's been texting his trainer, like an MF that's, mm-hmm. he's like re- time to be an MF. Um, <laughs> and I'm not editing. That's literally it's that is the verbatim text he sends. And I think like that shift in mindset, like I'm going to be a motherfucker is mm-hmm. just um, has really unlocked whatever ant, like whatever the skill that was so obvious in those flashes when you see him in summer league and you see him, you know, one, two step into a windmill dunk in warmups. It's like, 
he just needs to harness that. And somehow this year he really has. And he's been really good as, you know, as recently as last night, he had these, he had a moment where he scored 12 straight points or contributed 12 straight points. He hit a three, then he hit a second three. Then he drove and dished to Damian Lillard for a three. Then he hit a third three. He didn't really do much else in that game, but he had this little 90 second window where you're like, damn, he's good. Um, And the trick, I think the trick for the Blazers is just getting each, you know, each month, each week, whatever, a little bit more of that out of out of Ant as, as best they can. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I, I don't know why, maybe you don't feel like this, but I do sort of feel like this sometimes when people look at teams in the league that are like tough or like, inter- like equate, you know, toughness or grittiness with like a style of play. I sure. feel quite often the Blazers get a bit shortchanged, but they are a very like gritty and tough team. So I think just to have, for him to have kind of that, style and like those types of players around him is going to be necessarily helpful too i mean because the one thing that stuck out to me about that story i think i wrote like you know watching him he's like a rabbit among wolves i think i said you know and it's just because like to me his energy and the way he was just kind of like like spin on like he was just always like spinning and moving and just like his eyes are moving everywhere and like he was just not nervous you know what i mean but just like there was a there was a a way that he kind of needed to capture himself and as you say uh play like a motherfucker and i think now it's clear like he's just kind of picked up on picked up on that like that kind of vibe that's going through the team i don't know like dame is like one of the most just like (sighs) there's just no one i feel like is as zeroed in as dame is in a way that he gets he gets like the too cool label but what i think is like is just like supremely he has a supreme confidence a a calmness to him that when things are going poorly, it's like, why isn't he, why is he like this? And when he pulls out magic out of his hat at the end of the games, it's like, man, he's so calm. Like, yes. how does he stay? You know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I, but I think you, you really touch on it there. That, that is sort of his, his superpower. Yeah. I wouldn't even ever say he's like too cool. It's just like, that's always, it's almost just, it's an ISO, it's like an ISO, icy kind of control and like confidence over himself. And I think that you just naturally sort of feel that. I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, I feel like Nurk has kind of this wild, <laughs> this wild. Yeah. Also in that game when I was interviewing uh, Anthony, like it was when Nurk was still hurt, but he was just sitting in the locker room and no one, people were waiting for, for Dame uh, and like, no one was really talking to him. And he was just like, nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody wants to talk to Nurk. <laughs> Uh, like he just That's, kept yelling that and I was like, man, this guy. And he was wearing like a beautiful, he was wearing like a beautiful pastel kind of suit. Yeah. Yeah. He has a couple different full suits he wears. He has one that's like floral. It's kind of yeah. like um, like a full floral print that he like, likes to rock. Yeah. And his hair was like in the kind of more wild stage. Um, but I was like, wow, these are like the two kind of oscillating encapsulations of this team's energy. <laughs> Totally. It's totally, it's like Nurk who they had to kind of rein in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's Nurk and Dame have a, have like a handshake, you know, secret handshakes, the way these, all these dudes do. And it ends with them pretending to be on FaceTime because when Nurk first got there, he was just always on the damn phone. And like part of, you know, obviously he's moving to a new, a new place from Denver. And also he's just, his family lives in a, another faraway country. And so I guess he was just, he came to the practice facility and he was always FaceTiming his family. And it was just like, okay, bud, we, we need you to hang up the phone and kind of like lock in mm-hmm. and play, play better. And so it's like, now it's sort of like a running, you know, it's a running joke between them as really good friends. It's like, dude, can you focus? 
<laughs> I love that can, though. <laughs> can you be present? Yeah. Get in the game. Um, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm just like, I'm so stoked for him. Like, I think, I think he'll, I hope he stays with the Blazers, but um, I think any, like he's just he's just such as this kind of like future type of player. If he can sort of keep at this, do you know what I mean? Like he's just say more about that. Tell me why is Anthony <laughs> Simon's the future. <laughs> well, one right now there's like this. I feel like there's a little bit of a desolate drought for like capable. He's not the kind of like guard who's like a Kyle Lowry say who's like a floor general. You know what I mean? He's like right, a bit right, quieter. Right, right. But I think like you know being under the tutelage of someone like Dame will kind of infuse that into him you'd hope so right like that's what i right. think if i was him that's what i would want to take from dame's game um and i just think like when you look at his sort of like the quietness and explosiveness of his play also really lends to i think like a he's not very like he, he's not like a very type of selfish kind of player and then you look at teams that are like sort of struggling maybe like the clippers because they don't really have a capable sort of more selfless point guard right now you know and like no, i mean generally it's yeah it's a bit chaotic the, the embodiment <laughs> of chaos as their point guard mm -hmm. i mean even like a team like the sixers like there are so many teams right now that i think couldn't use someone like that and i don't think lowry he's like a his model doesn't exist anymore so i'm not saying like recreate that and same with dame like it's like he's such like individual like point guards become such like individual entities of themselves so i think what he can what what simons can kind of absorb by osmosis let's say by lillard and then decide the way that sure. he wants to play but like keep this kind of keep the credo and like keep true to to how he this like explosiveness and this little bit of like you don't necessarily see him coming there's like a big surprise to him I just think that that is a to me that's like a some kind of a deadly point guard that I would definitely want on my team or to like build a team around. You know what I mean? He just has to like sure. beef it up a bit, which is he's like on the on the way to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I don't know. Guards are weird, and and it takes a long time for point guards. I think there's this idea that like big men take a long time to develop, but I think in the NBA, point guard is the hardest position to learn because mm -hmm. you've got to make a lot of decisions and you have the ball in your hands a bunch and you are tasked with both getting your own offense. I mean, now like point guards have to score if they're going to play tasked with getting your own offense and also getting your team into stuff. It is, mm -hmm. um, it is a lot for a, a young guy, particularly like Ant who didn't play college basketball to sort of take on all at once. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I think about Ant is that I'm not sure before he got to the NBA that he ever had a slump. Like, you know, he played only high school basketball and then he took a post-grad year. He right. was he, like, he just probably kicked everyone's ass for the first 20 years of his life. And then it's like, he gets to the league and it's like, oh man, there, I have bad days. I've never had these before. And mm -hmm. so like learning to rebound from those is definitely part of his journey. Oh yeah. I, like, I can't imagine like, that's just like, I have a hard enough time like pep talking myself into just like the menial tasks I have to do, <laughs> you know, on any given day, let alone when you're like, oh, you're going through a shooting slump or like you, you like, you got time on the, you saw time on the floor for the first time in a long time. And then you like mess something up, you know, just like to be able mm -hmm. to bounce back from that every game and not let it weigh on you, especially when you're the point guard, like you have to just always have a reset. But at the same time, you also have to hold the identity and like the future kind of direction of the team in your hand and head at all times too. So totally. And the, yeah. and you, 
and the GM called you the most talented player he's ever drafted. So you are carrying this yeah, no incredible pressure. weight of expectations <laughs> with you at all times as well. And you're 21 years old. Yeah, there's a great story about that. I don't know if this is public and it's not my story. So Sean, if you're listening, I don't think you listen, but I'm I'm stealing the story from you. Uh, my friend Sean, who is a photographer for the Oregonian, he, Neil Olshay at the press conference says, yeah, whatever, uh, Anthony Simons is the most talented player we've ever drafted. And it was like media day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean like sees the tweet and he's like, oh shit. And he showed Ant, he's like, look what Neil just said. And Ant, and Ant like gave him a look like, oh, you're kidding me. like not like not like oh he's so wrong but kind of like but like why why did he do that to me like why would why would I be the one who has you know like why did he do that why Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. me why me right now I'm just taking media day photos um and I think about that a lot because the way that it's like Ant found it out is like oh (laughs) bummer Yeah, like because as if he needed any more pressure. Do you know what I mean? Going into exactly, the season, exactly. and maybe in his head he had like figured out he's like, okay, new season. I'm gonna play like this, and like here's what I learned from last year, and like I, it seems clear to me. I have a plan, and then you get that thrown at you. Yeah. <laughs> While you're at the Oregonians media photo photo station, uh, so. Um, apologies, Sean. Um, if I stole this story from you, you should have written it two years ago. Is what I say. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's come back in uh, the third segment and close out the show. I, I feel like the the Raptors are like a timeline ahead of the Blazers. And I want to kind of take your perspective as someone who's been to a kajillion Raptor games over the years and, and followed the team so closely on sort of what that timeline could entail if we put it back on the Blazers. So that's what we'll do to close out the show. But before we get there, I want to tell my listeners about Bet Online. Y'all know bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Look, the NFL's over. Tom Brady's drunk at the boat parade right now, but college basketball's here. The NHL's in full swing, and the NBA's happen every. The NBA's got games every single night. Bet online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can bet on whatever you want. They got real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. It's betonline.ag with the promo code LOCKEDON. And sign up today, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Lockdown Blazers. Still chatting here with Katie Heindel, a writer for Dime and Uproxx.com, the host of the wonderful Dishes and Dimes podcast, as well as a basketball, an equally wonderful podcast, but it gets second billing because that's how I have it written out here, and the creator of the most beautiful newsletter on the web, Basketball Feelings. Make sure you subscribe. We talked about the national anthem stupidness. We talked about Anthony Simons. Um, a, a Heindel favorite, mm-hmm. Katie favorite. But um, I want to talk. I want to. I want to leverage you as a Raptors expert to look into the future. The Raptors are seemingly sort of a timeline ahead of the Blazers. They they did the thing that Blazer fans sort of want the Blazers to do. They broke up the best friends who play guards. They broke up the the best pals in the backcourt. Traded and won a, won a championship. And they also fired their really solid coach. And got a new coach who was, who was unfamiliar. Um, I don't think the Blazers are going to trade CJ McCollum, so we don't need to sort of talk about the hardships of 
DeMar and Kyle Lowry breaking up. But do the Blazers need to find their Nick Nurse? <laughs> is, is that the secret in, here in Portland? Um, this is tough because it's like I when you ask me about the timeline, I then I have to kind of put this season out of my mind because I think the timeline has there may be in an alternate reality now that the Blazers do not want to go down. Well, yeah, this is where you this is where it can end up is that you make yeah. the trade, the guy leaves, <laughs> Nick Nurse, the kind of his crankiness maybe doesn't always translate. Um, it, it, you know, there is um, there are trade offs. You, you, I guess maybe we'll back up a little bit. Is the feeling of watching your team win a championship from sort of a fan perspective worth the emotional <laughs> changes that sort of you have to, the franchises have to go through to get there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was tough. We don't have to talk about it too much, but I think I was, I was like resigned to disliking what the team had done until probably right after, I mean, probably post-December. Once you saw like, Marcus Saul on that championship float and you were like, it's worth it. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, oh wait, it's worth yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's when I finally came around. It was the him chugging yeah. Rose. No, I think exactly. just like I was like, I can't believe they just like did Damar like that, you know? And like right. this was a franchise that really prided itself on like being frank and upfront with people and like especially their franchise players and this was like well I guess it is a business after all like I'm not a dummy I do realize that but that just felt like almost irrevocable but the championship did did remedy it somewhat um I gotta say and then I think you know the chemistry the big thing that was in place that I think is funny now that the Clippers are basically trying to steal the blueprints for that Raptors team um, and it's not working for them in the same way is that the chemistry was there because of the longstanding relationship between Kyle Lowry and DeMar Rosen, how much they had just made that their team and like knew the shape of it and the feel of it through like all these failed iterations, almost making it, you know, every, every year in the postseason, having some different, more heartbreaking loss <laughs> every every year of the postseason you know and then coming back and just being like well we got to do it again and like little yeah. bit tweaks here and there I think the Casey thing like they had to Casey had just taken the team as far as he could have like when you talk about like player ceilings I do think there are coach ceilings and team ceilings just in terms of like what the iteration of that team can be under a certain coach like even if you have like new assistants coming in and they're like, okay, we're going to focus more on offense this year or defense this year, whatever you still, it all still runs through one person. So I think bringing in nurse again, I also was not sold on nurse, but I think nurse did get handed something particularly sweet and like knew what to do with it. And he did. Yeah, he I mean, talent wins. He yeah. did a good job coaching, <laughs> but he got, they gave him Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. And then they went and got Mark freaking Gasol. So yeah. I, it helped. It <laughs> he helped. was pretty, he lucked out. And I think yeah. like I almost came around on Nick nurse more last season just with all the injury once Kawhi left and all the injuries the right. team faced. And then he was just kind of plugging guys in wherever he had to. And it worked. It was like a weird Frankenstein monster style, like way of figuring out lineups, but it worked. And there was a real resiliency and a willingness to like make mistakes and also be like, that really didn't work. And then come back and fix it. Instead of, I think some coaches really just get stuck and sort of rhythmic into what they're comfortable with. Right. And they're this very is what stubborn. we do, so let's do it right. Yeah. 
they're very stubborn or they're like, this is the system we've built. But it's like, eh, is it working? Maybe not. But it's tough. Like a, a, a basketball team's a lot just like a huge, like, you know, ship. You can't turn it around that quickly. It's like it takes some time. So totally. I think like I think it, it yeah, it, everything that was done seems like it was done really quickly but when you kind of look at everything that had gone into making that championship team ready for Kawhi to be plugged into it and to fit so kind of seamlessly aside from maybe a month of sort of figuring out between him and him and Lowry you know and like a lot of that is just like that's due to the genius of Kyle Lowry Um, but it is also just like you know a lot of those guys came up through like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Chris Boucher like Norman Powell, like they all came up through the developmental arm of the team. Right. So they'd played together for such a long time. And I think that's something that gets forgotten about often too, is just like, there's just a real intuitive knowledge of one another. The Blazers sort of have that now, like you've got guys that have now been yeah, together I, I, for I, a long time. Yeah. I, I think there's like some pretty clear parallels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the Dame is the Kyle Lowry figure who is this sort of culture setter um, star who's, who's some of his like, special abilities are um like intangible stuff in the way that kyle is just um a genius who processes stuff faster than anyone else on the court like dame has some of those things they're not very similar players but they have a similar sort of like leadership ability and the blazers have been a team that has experienced relative relatively consistent success um you know they were a western conference finals team two seasons ago they've been They've been in the playoffs for seven straight years. It's not identical to the to the Raptors, who were more consistently good in the playoffs, quite frankly. But it's like, I, I guess, like from your perspective, it's kind of like, it, have the Blazers reached what they can be with this group? Is it time to go? Is it time to find Nick Nurse? Is it time? Like, um, what? What is 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 there a time to know? I guess is maybe a better question. Like how how will Blazer fans know that it's their time? Probably just coming up against the same walls, like again and again. You know what I mean? Like you can only yeah. fall again. Like you can only make it so far in the postseason, and almost the and like get taken out. Like as much as like all of those losses hurt and seemed different, they all did. They all essentially were because like the same problem. You know, like Damar was like could get really ISO at times. And like mm-hmm. when Casey never seemed to have an answer for that, like he wasn't a very creative coach. He didn't really have a lot of fluidity when it came to just like, all right, why is our defense breaking down? Or maybe what are we going to do if we can't get shots off? Is there another way to sort of figure this out in the, in the heat of the moment? Because that's, that's also like they had technically they had pieces, not as many or as good as Kawhi to someone who can make that shot. Cause like, that's honestly right. now having been through a successful like playoffs all the way to the end, it's like what win series is just these like Hail Mary moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Little, little, it's so much luck is involved. And I think yeah. fans don't want to yeah. do that. It's you gotta be incredibly lucky. That's how yeah. it works. It's luck and timing and the perfection of like having everyone you need. And even if you do, sometimes it doesn't work, but like, and also just like it lasts forever. So it's just yeah. the ability, it's 10 weeks. Yeah. For, for guys to play through and every series is different. It's just super grueling. Every game is like a, its own kind of series. You know what I mean? So I don't know. How long has Stott's been the coach there now? This is his ninth season. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, <laughs> that sucks. Cause you're like, this man is like, he's historic now to the franchise, you know, like right. he he's is, the second winningest coach in franchise history. He's, he's, yeah. 
he's a part of the fabric and a part, it's certainly a huge part of Dame's story. And for my money, Dame is the best player the franchise has ever had. So mm-hmm. um, it's a t- you're going to have to make a tough decision if you do this. Mm-hmm. I think because this is the thing, like right now, I guess I will say one of the parallels that is closest is that because I agree with you, I've I've said before, like the the Blazers feel to me like the Raptors of of the West. I think a lot right. of people have said that. I don't mean I'm the only one. You can we'll give it to you. That's a <laughs> TM TM TM. That's trademarked right thank there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But they they remind me of now are those Raptors teams with Lowry and DeRozan when you were like, ah, this all seems like it should work, but something is off and something mm-hmm. isn't isn't quite right here. So like you're only going to have it's finite. Like it's it's finite the how how long you'll have these players and how good they'll be. You know, like Dame is Dame isn't unfortunately for always. I mean, I hope he is, but he's not always going to be able to just like pull off those shots. And you also don't want him to be. You want him to have support around him. But like right. with who you have now, you just want to be able to like capitalize on their ability and like their time and you don't want them to be kind of stymied by maybe a coach who's been looking at them the same way for so long mm-hmm. like you want someone with fresh eyes who can say like hey if you tweak this a little bit that might work for you like a big example i think is right now how like Embiid is playing in the post so much more than he did do you know what i mean like and right, it's yeah. working for him like and that's yeah. just like that seems to me i'm like that's such an obvious thing but it's not something that he it's not a position he was ever put in before it wasn't like a role he was asked to play if anything it's like more of his true role (laughs) you know but it's like the things were simplified for him and and look it's like paying a dividends so things like that like it's like you can't if you've got role players great but just like they they can't be everything all the time and i think sometimes when you simplify things it's easier with a coach or just like a fresh set of eyes and it would be for someone who's going on a decade right Right, like, a decade of the of a very they want, familiar maybe. group. Yeah. yeah, and it's so it's tough because you're like, oh, I'm basically going to blow up this family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're breaking <laughs> yeah, exactly. apart this all. It's like a that's like a, a generational thing at this point. But totally, it's just you can never know. And I guess I just you, you have to hope that the ownership group there, or the the GMs right. or the people calling the shots will be like, okay, this is the this is worthwhile, not just because we are like, we want to make money, but it's like, what is actually going to give us the most, either a, if, if you want a shot at the title, okay, then like be aggressive and make those moves. But if you also want to build something that you can build up towards a shot at the title in like t- three years, five years, then do that, you know? Right. But you got to know your timeline and be willing to make decisions based on- Work what toward the timeline. The where the Raptors have lost themselves now is I don't actually think they losing the Giannis sweepstakes as imaginary as it was. They rid themselves, I think, of what they thought the timeline was. I'm not clear on now what is next. So that's tough because it's the first time I feel like I've seen the Raptors in limbo. So I wouldn't want right. the Blazers to like go that far beyond it, right? It's like you at some point, like you got to just decide what it is and like ignore league trends and ignore kind of like what's going on around you and just say like, this is what's going to work best for our team. And who's going to get us that? And I would also hope the last thing I'll say is like the Blazers, I think have a potential to be like Stas is also kind of like this. He's not, I mean, he, he's been there for a long time, but I feel like as a coach, he's not as just like, I don't know, old guard, he's you pretty, know? He's pretty stubborn. He might be a little new age, but he's pretty stubborn. I he mean, is they stubborn. like lead the league in three-point shooting, but he does yeah. what he does. But I just, I feel like it could be a really cool 
um, opportunity and the Blazers strike me as the team that might do this to like finally hire someone outside of like the very cyclical and tired pool of coaches sure. that just get kind sure. of like shifted around year to year. Yeah. I Listen, I'd be all for it, particularly if that coach were to wear some sort of like personally branded material regularly. Um, you know, if, if I feel like that's what maybe what's holding the Blazers back is that like a lot of the Raptors guys have their own individual logos. Yeah, a almost everyone I, on the starting lineup, I think. So and, and the Blazers don't have anyone with that sort of branded. I mean, some guys have logos, but they don't wear the branded logo. So mm -hmm. I think step one, brand yourself. Mm -hmm. Step two. I don't know, find Nick Nurse, some dude with a guitar somewhere <laughs> who's kind of a jerk, but is like clearly good at it. But um, it's- I feel like there's a lot know, of guys a in fellow. Portland with guitars. <laughs> totally, who are probably jerks at work yeah. sometimes, but like, <laughs> but are like seemingly pretty effective, even if they bully their coworkers from time to time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for uh, lending your sort of your vision for the Blazers future and your insights on, on Ant and just your time. We really appreciate it. If my dear listeners are looking for more of you other than subscribing to Basketball Feelings, where can they find you? Um, you mentioned everywhere, but uh, Dime, features writer Dime. So I have some big things coming there soon. Uh, Basketball awesome. Feelings is on Substack. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at whatevs, W-T-E-V-S. Um, that's probably the best. That's where everybody's slapping their work these days, you know? Yeah, you'll find it. You'll find yeah. the links. They'll be they'll be waiting there for you. Mm -hmm. I tweet them out occasionally. I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a whatevs fan for sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you you're you're a good supporter. <laughs> yeah, hey, you're, listen, you're boosting I, the links. <laughs> I like what I like. Um <laughs> Well, we'll we'll have to do it again soon. If the Blazers sort of catch up to the Raptors timeline, I'm going to have to bring you on an emergency podcast. If they do, if they pull a 2018 Raptors or whatever it is, summer of 2018 Raptors, I'm I'm going to be blowing up your phone. So Please. Yeah. <laughs> so look but then for it. we can not down the road they're currently on. So we got to talk about where they would have to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. We'll pinpoint we'll pinpoint when things started to go south. Yes. And we'll make sure that uh, that sort of the Blazers plans don't involve this this dark timeline that is 2021 for mm -hmm. our beloved <laughs> our beloved dinosaurs. <laughs> Dear listeners, tell your friends about this podcast. Just tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. I know I promised you a mailbag later this week. It's coming. We're, I'm going to record it after Thursday's game against the Sixers. So look for it in your feeds on Friday morning if you're looking for an, that extra mailbag you were promised. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>